welcome back to the Pinstripe Podcast. I am your host, Scott, for this week as Lexi is on vacation. And so it's just me this week, me and all my takes on the Yankees and all around the league. Uh, so let's start with the Yankees and how their week went. So this past week since the last episode was their series against the Rays and then one game against the Braves as they have their second one tonight when I am recording this now. Uh, we're seeing a lot of, of changes, not voluntarily, but because of injuries. So for tonight's game, I'll just go over that now. People like Judge and Stanton both are out with injuries. Stanton's seems a little more lengthy. I think they said about a month with a hamstring injury. He's going to be out for about a month. And then Judge is out tonight for lower body stiffness. So I hope that isn't much, but I mean, it's Judge, so he played with, I think, a broken rib, so we don't really know where that can go, but hopefully it's going to be a day or two, a game or two, and he could be back. But replacing them is uh, Clint Frazier coming into the lineup today for the Yankees. Clint is one that the fans are either a love or hate with, I like him. I like his, his personality. He's a good hitter. Especially during the, the preseason, he was amazing. He really did what he needed to. He was hitting the ball hard. And I feel like today is a good test for him. And I mean, I feel like with the predicament, the little predicament that uh, the Yankees have been in with who to choose for outfield, with them throwing in Duhar out there for some reason, they... We'll see if Clint Frazier is a good choice to keep because they're planning on keeping Talkman. They're planning on keeping Gardner, Hicks, Judge, and Stanton. But now Clint Frazier being that next man up if anything goes wrong. And so, as I said, we're hoping that Stanton's injury, or not Stanton, sorry, Judge's injury, injury is as short as possible because he is a huge asset to the team. With last game against the Braves, him getting another home run, which brings his season total to nine. So that he's a huge part of the team. So important, but it's also so important that he doesn't force himself into a bigger injury. So I feel like although I might not love the idea of him sitting out this game, it's extremely important for him to do it because we can't risk anything bigger coming out of it. But anyways, talking about their last series about uh, against the Rays, it was a bit iffy. I mean, it showed how important the pitching is for the Yankees and how it can change the game completely. So in the first game of the series against the Rays, Tanaka pitched, and Tanaka pitched a gem. He went five innings let up one hit with 5Ks. An, an amazing start. And this game ended up being one nothing in the favor of the Rays, which is uncommon for the Yankees to go and not get a run. I mean, they're such a power team, but it was Snell's game who went three innings with 5Ks, so basically equally as good as Tanaka did, even maybe a bit better because less innings, more uh, equal amount of Ks. 
but that kind of shows you the amount of value that this defense has and that if the pitcher doesn't do well the team has no shot and I feel like that is very obvious in other games that they have um most of their losses I like to say have come off of something like a Paxton like their last game against the Rays they lost uh four to three that was a Paxton start and then things like that their doubleheader the second game was started off with by King so a Tanaka or a Cole start seem to be always the best for the Yankees because they're their two aces they're their two best pitchers that they have and so that part of their team has to be so valuable and I feel like the Yankees should start to focus on that because you can see that consistency with that um I mean their first game against the Rays or sorry the Braves they had Montgomery to start, but they also went through six pitchers. So it was a good start. Montgomery is one of their better arms, probably behind Tanaka. Probably goes Cole, Tanaka, Montgomery. And then they were able to pull the game out from that because New York is such a power-hungry team. They can always hit the ball, except in the one case with uh, Snell where they couldn't. That's one occurrence, but like the offense that the Yankees have can be so consistent, they just need a defense to help them out, and that's more specifically a pitcher like Tanaka or Cole. So that was the series as a whole, and then more specifically, we had a few dif- different changes in there. As I mentioned, Tanaka went five innings and five Ks. A really great start there for the pitcher, and didn't get the offense to back him up. But uh, one thing that that did happen that was pretty good. Sanchez hit a dinger. He hit a dinger, but after he changed his pants, he always went long pants all the way down to the ankles. He then went to the stirrups, right to the knees, and he hit a home run. I recommend Glaber does that too. It's clearly his pants now aren't working. Um, but I do have a note here that says offense isn't working. And I think that's funny because that was probably one game. And, I mean, overall, I just ate my words because of last night's game versus the Braves, or their last game versus the Braves. Because that was an offensive powerhouse by the Yankees, and I'll get even more detail in that in a little bit. But other important things that happened to the Yankees over this series against the Rays is uh, Glaber got his first hit. So he's hopefully starting off and... Hopefully, we'll see more and more from him as the season continues. Eric Krantz was the catcher for the second game of the doubleheader that they had, which was their second and third game of the series against the Rays. Eric Krantz was a backup catcher who came after Higashikioka. Higgy, I'll just say, because I bet I probably said his name wrong. Um, So... He was a, a bit of a surprise. I mean, I don't think he did all that much, if I'm correct. I don't think he, he did anything, really. But, I mean, doing nothing is better than doing something that hurts the team. So, I mean, can't get mad about that. So, that series ended with the Rays taking the total series 3-2. to two. Sorry, 3-1. to one. I just stand corrected there. 
which really isn't great. But, I mean, there will be plenty more games. Not a huge impact for the Yankees. They went and ended off on a 4-3 loss to them, and that was the the King. Or Sorry, that was Paxton's start. So, I mean, as I said earlier, the pitchers that they choose are mostly determining how the game goes. And Paxton has not been the pitcher that the Yankees need. And so it has not been going as well for him. But they ended that series with that loss and then went right into Tuesday's game against the Braves booming. Like, it was crazy. It was just a Ford, Mike Ford and Luke Voigt, both in the lineup, and both showed up. Voigt had three RBIs with a three-run homer and a uh, line out to third, which ended in an error and somebody scoring. And Mike Ford had went two for four with three RBIs. I just kept seeing his name on the notifications for the game. It was crazy, and him coming out of nowhere. I mean, Luke Voigt's been playing all season. Mike Ford really hasn't gotten much of an appearance, and he showed up and hit the crap out of the ball. And he did exactly what the Yankees needed. Ended up winning that one 9-6. to six. With a bit shaky at the end. I got a bit nervous. Because everything, as usual, all the runs came at the beginning of the game or near the beginning of the game. And they kind of just stopped near the end and I got really, really nervous. But that was also the game where Judge Homer 2 brought his total up to 9. Probably the one where he, he hopefully didn't do something wrong to his lower half because then that would be terrible for the Yankees if they do. But that is all the notes that I have for the Yankees for this week. There really wasn't a ton of games since our last episode. I think maybe three or four is just the Rays series that finished up and then the one against the Braves. But anyways, going and changing gears to around the league, A lot has happened. I have a note at the beginning. The very first note that I made for this week was Marlins doing good. They they were doing good, and then you realize their competition. They beat the Orioles and the Mets. And so you can't really expect much from that. That doesn't really show a team. Because the Orioles are the Orioles' worst, probably worst team in the league, if not one of the worst easily. And then the Mets, a team that can't close a game at all. And the one game that the Marlins lost to the Mets was DeGrom's game. And so, I mean, that's what you expect. And so they have they have a surprisingly good team, and they're having a surprisingly good year for being the Marlins, but it's still nothing to be amazed about. They're at the top of their division because they have seven wins against pretty bad teams and they don't have the losses that could bring them down because they haven't played against skilled teams. Uh, another note that I do have was the Orioles versus the Nationals. I'm pretty sure the Nationals took the series, but the Orioles did get an 11 to nothing win against them. 11 to nothing against the reigning champions. That is something else, especially for the Orioles. I don't know what happened there. I don't know what happened. And I mean, it's the Nationals. 
they have been having not a fantastic year. They've been having a pretty rough year compared to what they were like in the playoffs. But that really isn't much of an excuse to to lose eleven nothing to really any team. Not 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 even mattering that it it's the Orioles who are obviously a freaking awful team. But as we talked about last week, we're going over to the other side of the country, over to California. Mike Trout's birthday was this past week. I think it was this weekend, actually. And as he always does, Papa Trout hit dingers. He hit a dinger on his birthday, which brings the grand total up in his entire career to five home runs out of seven birthdays. That's that's pretty freaking crazy. How you have seven years. You have one day. Or not seven years, but like seven events, seven times. Where you can hit a home run on your birthday and you do it five times. As somebody who's this young in the league, you, you've capitalized five out of seven times of hitting a home run. Not even just getting a hit. Hitting a home run on your birthday. That really kind of just shows how explosive Mike Trout is. And Mike Trout's not slowing down. He took that that one or two, like the one week off for his child and just came back and just caught up from what he missed. He was like, ah, I missed a day. Up, I guess I got to double what I have to do normally. And he's just been going off. It, it really is crazy. It, it is MVP candidate easily by far. I mean, I mean, Trout's been carrying this team easily on his shoulders, but I mean, it really doesn't matter much because it's the Angels, and the Angels haven't been able to do much defensively. You are getting carried by the best player of the generation, being Mike Trout, and they have no pitching to help him out. And so he can hit as many home runs as he possibly can in his whatever three to five at-bats per game. If he gets that, that can only help a team so much if they give up too many runs on that end. But talk from one player to another, I want to shift it over from Mike Trout over to Charlie Blackman. This guy has started going off. I mean, the, the Rockies are already at the top of the, their division, but I feel like a lot of talk was focused on Nolan Arenado and Trevor Story. Because being probably one of the two, sorry, being probably the two most popular names, at least from last year, I understand a lot of talk coming from them. But Charlie Blackman has come out and is the name kind of behind it, but has been going off offensively he's batting 500 on the year right now we're already what like 15 games in and he's batting 500 i think we're what am i saying 15 games in i think we're probably about 20 ish at this point and he's batting 500 he has 26 hits i think on the year on the year already and he's this name a little bit behind yeah sorry like around 20 games we're at. But he has been hitting so well and he is not getting the attention he needs. He's going off 
and although I understand Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story are kind of like the the title names for uh, the Rockies this year, Charlie Blackman should not go unnoticed at all for him batting five freaking hundred. I think I saw it. He has the same amounts of hits. He has the same amount of hits as the St. Louis Cardinals do as a team. I think they both have 26 hits. It's probably not true at this point when I'm recording it, but I think that was like yesterday or the day before. He was going and and hitting five freaking hundred, being somebody a little less known than everybody else on his team. I'm going and looking at, at the Rocky stats right now, and I will find this is from their game that they just finished against the Diamondbacks. Yes, Charlie Blackman, as of this recording, threw 18 games and 72 at-bats. He has 34 hits and is batting 472. He has out of his 34 hits. I, I don't think anybody has more hits than him in the league. And that, that is crazy to think about. Because he is not this number one all-talked-about player in the league. And he is doing so much work in the background. And the Rockies are winning as they should be. Because they are a very, very good team with three amazing players of Arenado, Story, and Blackman. And they are hopefully going to continue this over the the rest of the 60 games or already a third of the way through and so if that continues we'll might we might see a huge run by the Rockies in the postseason and especially because most of these haven't been home the Rockies have not been on their home stadium really all that much so far and it's funny to say that because most people don't think about home field advantage being all that huge but something like it matters a bit in people with big uh like gimmicks in their stadium like a red Sox or a yankees with their short right field but i feel like it matters the most in colorado because although there are no fans there you still have the whole altitude change which changes the ball flight and everything and i feel like if you think about it, there should be a lot more home runs in Colorado than anywhere else. But Colorado hasn't been home enough that really says, hey, it's because of their home field. That's why they're doing so well. They're just doing really, really well by themselves because they are a good team as a whole. They have now three series at home in their 18 games. So I think each of them were like three to four games. So they had about nine. So they've had a little bit over half. But that really doesn't change everything as it should because the team is not just hitting home runs. They are hitting well, as I said. 473 already on the year through 18 games is crazy to see from somebody, especially somebody who not a ton of people are talking about. And I feel like Charlie Blackman deserves a little bit more credit and a little bit more fame for what he's doing this year. Anyways, I'm going to move on to a little other incident 
that occurred over the weekend. This one between the A's and the Astros. So for those that don't know, just the other day, the Astros took on the Athletics. And it didn't go exactly how people would expect. It ended in, not ended, but uh, it included a nice little brawl with the Astros hitting coach was kind of the one that instigated it, but it really was just uh, the Astros, or sorry, the Athletics outfielder, um, I'm trying to get his first name, uh, Loriano. I don't know, I can't get his first name on the top of my head, he went, got hit. I think for like the second or third time that series, he's got he got hit a lot against uh, the Astros, and I think also his teammates got hit a lot. I'll try to find the exact stats now, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so in that game specifically, Loriano got hit twice. So his second time he got hit, he kind of talked to the pitcher. I mean, you're you're upset. But he didn't try to charge the mound. I don't think he tried to charge the mound at all. He was yelling at the pitcher. He kind of was throwing a signal, like a sign up. I don't know if it was like, hey, you need to throw this or something like that. Like just like normal talking and arguing. Nothing too aggressive. And then apparently the Astros hitting coach went and said something to Loriano when he was on first. Loriano got extremely offended by it and started to charge the coach. And so the Astros then kind of stepped in and, uh, you know, protected their their coach, as you would expect. I mean, your teams are going to do that. And there was a bit of a brawl there, and it went between the two. And in the end, Boreano got six-game suspension and the hitting coach got 20 games. Now, 20 games is a lot, I understand. He was the one that instigated it. But it's a hitting coach. That really doesn't do much. I understand that you're trying to make a point, but that doesn't help anything from what people feel about the Astros. So, I understand if people get upset about the Astros getting hit. Like, people just don't want that because if you're an Astros fan, you don't want that. But this was the opposite side. This was the Astros hitting the A's. A lot. They hit them a lot. As I said, Loriano got hit twice in the same game. And so you would be upset. Anybody, I feel like, would be upset about that. I mean, you just got hit twice. So I feel like that, 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 is a bit of a thing for for being aggressive and talking from the bench is kind of you know a, a weak move but I feel like the 20 games won't help anything from the Astros people are still going to hate on the Astros as they should and that's the thing that I find so much value in and people I feel like people don't understand is that People aren't mad directly at the Astros for cheating. They're mad at the Astros for cheating and not getting anything in return. They're not getting, they're not having anything happen to them. They're getting off free. 
And so these teams are being mad at these people, fans, teams. Everybody's getting mad at the Ashers for it because they cheated. They got caught. People know about it. And they still nothing has happened to them. Like, I feel like if teams went, cheated, they were caught, and then they got, like, suspended, they got fined, everything like that happened, teams would not like them, as they should, but it wouldn't be as bad as it is right now. Because that's a huge part that I feel like everybody agrees with, is it's because they got off free. And that is the biggest reason that they're getting so, so much hate, so, so much attention, and getting hit so, so much. And I feel like it could be solved pretty dang easily if they just did something to them when they got caught and not nothing. Because now you've suspended two players for doing something to the Astros, and the Astros have just had one suspension to worry about. Joe Kelly got suspended, I think, six games because of what he was talking about to the Astros. Even though Correa started it, Joe Kelly, I guess, was the one that gets the short end of the stick. And then the same in this situation. Loriano goes and charges the dugout, as he shouldn't, as you should get suspended for that. But the hitting coach, out of all people, gets suspended. That really doesn't solve any problems there. And there's still going to be hatred between the two teams because I don't blame them for not liking each other. They shouldn't like each other. But to end off talking about tonight's game of the Yankees and the Braves, as I did a little bit at the beginning of the episode, I will go through their lineup, how I think, everything like that. So leading off, LeMahieu playing second. Not a surprise exactly how it should be. LeMahieu being an amazing leadoff batter. And amazing, a great second baseman for the Yankees. Nobody can can deny that he is probably one of the the best players in this in in the league right now. This year, I'd like to say this year and last year, best in his position by far. I think I saw a video and it was asking who was better if it was DJ LeMahieu or Robinson Cano. Everybody agreed Cano when he was in his prime. And then LeMahieu now, because it really is no doubt that LeMahieu is, is an amazing second baseman, an amazing leadoff for this team. He really just helps the team so much. Number two, Luke Voigt. Bit of a bold move to have Voigt go second while playing first base. First base, of course, makes sense. I really don't get number two spot, though, but that's probably a pitching matchup, as I don't know who's pitching for the Braves. Number three, Aaron Hicks, center field. As I said, we're having um, with Judge and Stanton out. You're kind of losing part of your left, uh, part of your outfield. So everything got adjusted there. Hicks is playing tonight. That really didn't get affected though. Uh, number four, Urshela playing third. Again, I'm gonna guess this is a pitching matchup thing because Urshela has been pretty consistent, but not as consistent enough as other people on the team. But with who they have tonight, it's a it's a pretty good move. Number five is Glaber Torres. I still don't understand why Glaber is anywhere near the top of the lineup. He should be seven or eight or possibly nine. He cannot hit this year. As I said, he's got his first hit just a few nights ago. 
So why do you keep him at the top of the lineup if he A, isn't producing, and B, maybe that spot just doesn't work for him. Maybe top top six, top five, top six doesn't help him. You got to move him around and find where he can actually start doing things. Number six, Mike Ford. DHing, as I was just talking about, last night Mike Ford went off. He did amazing. He did insane. And he should, and I mean, I feel like you shouldn't change anything about that. But again, one game. I understand not pushing him up too high. Behind him at 7 is Gary Sanchez. Makes pretty good sense. I mean, especially with who he has below him. Gary has not been amazing. As I said earlier, again, he changed his pants and then got a home run. So hopefully that's just a start to um, where he's going. And he's going to be going in the right direction as he does normally. But we still don't know if it's going to be consistent or not or if that was just a one-time thing. Below Gary and in the 8-hole is Clint Frazier. I understand this completely. He is the new outfielder because they needed a replacement for Judge. And he hasn't done anything all year. That's just because he hasn't played. So they're not going to put him in a good spot. If they don't know what he can and can't do. And then below him is Brett Gardner. Screw Brett Gardner. I mean that's kind of the thing on this show. Um, Brett is playing left field today. You could have put Talkman out there. He would have been fine. I don't really get the combination of Hicks and Gardner. It's a bit interesting there. I feel like it's good to have Hicks or Gardner in center. And then Talkman more consistently in left. Because he has been hitting well. He's been doing well for the team. Gardner is still a bit old. And he's still iffy. And I just like to say that he's he's old. And that's just the reason for everything. But then on the mound today. Tanaka. As I was talking earlier. It should be a very good game for the Yankees. Because Tanaka is pitching. Tanaka and Cole. Tanaka, Cole, and Montgomery. Are the three most important pitchers for this team. And they are easily the reasons that they win games any other pitcher that they have is inconsistent or if they do the um oh i'm blanking on it yeah i just forget um the one where they start with a reliever i'm blanking on what that's called uh when they do that it's all inconsistent as i said against the rays they the yankees went and just didn't have an offense. Their defense shut the Rays down to one run. And that was all that, that Tanaka needed to do. Tanaka did his job. And so everything else that they have. Cole didn't get the win against Glasgow. But I mean that's two amazing pitchers going against each other. Two of the best ones in the division. Going against each other. And, I mean, you can't always expect an amazing outcome from that. But, again, all of the other pitchers are more consistently in the loss column than a Cole, Tanaka, or really just Cole and Tanaka are consistently getting the wins, or at least a low-scoring game. And so that's going to be huge for tonight. The game just started as I'm recording this. Nothing has happened. Oh. I take that back. Voight just doubled. So LeMahieu got out. So, I mean, hey, as I said, great leadoff. But, I mean, it happens. But, yeah, so 
we'll see how this game goes and we'll see how the rest of the week goes i'll see you in next week week's episode if you want to continue discussions or any updates on anything like that make sure to go and follow lexi on social media uh her twitter is lex samanchek l-e-x-s-e-m-a-n-c-h-i-k on all updates for the show things on the yankees everything that she sees going around